Welcome back to Her Campus at Americans podcast, Miseducation, where we talk about literally anything we're interested in learning more about, and we hope you're interested too. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. I am Abby, your host today, and I use she, her pronouns. Today we're going to be discussing maternal health during the coronavirus pandemic. There are concerns about how maternal health is being handled during this pandemic, as a lot of resources are being rerouted to coronavirus treatment efforts. Some worry that this will result in a decreased level of resources for pregnant people and people giving birth. Just a disclaimer before we get into it, I'm going to be trying my best to use gender-neutral language because people of multiple gender identities can be pregnant and affected by maternal health issues. If I do say pregnant women, that is because I'm using language from a source and I want to keep that information as accurate as possible to its original intent. Now let's move on to some fast facts. In one year, 700 women die in the United States from pregnancy complications. Black American Indian and Alaskan Native women experience four to five times higher level of maternal mortality than their white counterparts. According to the American Progress Institute, discrimination is a major factor in the increased rates of maternal mortality for women of color, and that discrimination often takes form in healthcare professionals dismissing black women's pain during childbirth and pregnancy in general. Because of the coronavirus, many hospitals are not allowing support people into the delivery room in order to decrease the possibility of infection of COVID-19. But there are concerns that this will negatively impact women of color because they won't have an adequate support system or people to advocate on their behalf during birth. Today I'm interviewing Allie Henry. Thanks so much for talking with me. What pronouns do you use, Allie? I use she, her, and hers. Awesome. So to give some background, you're pregnant. How far along are you? I'm 23 weeks and due on August 25th. Awesome. So exciting. Thank so, <laughs> what has it been like to be pregnant during the coronavirus pandemic? Uh, it's definitely been scary. Not how I thought my first pregnancy was going to go. Um, yeah, it's nerve-wracking. Not knowing um, all the data out there is so little on being pregnant and getting the COVID or coronavirus being pregnant, what that looks like, um, or if the baby can get it. There's just a lot, not very much data, so it's it's scary. Yeah, that's understandable. How has how has COVID nineteen affected your doctor's appointments and overall health care during your pregnancy? Um, so my doctor's appointments, um, I still have had all my appointments. Thankfully, I was worried that I potentially wouldn't. Um, they told me that I could do some over the tele like computer, whatever, tele-doctor visits um, if I wanted to, but the ones I've had so far, I've had to go in. Um, the part that's been different is my husband has not been allowed to come with me, um, so I had uh, my 20-week ultrasound recently, uh, which is like the biggest ultrasound in the whole pregnancy, and it was a bummer he was not allowed to come, but they have restricted um it to only the patient to come to all of the appointments. Have you had similar contact with your doctors, like from post the coronavirus pandemic kind of hitting in the stay at home orders and after? Have you had like the same level of contact and resources or has it been different? I have had the same level of contact and the same resources. Um, 
from before COVID-19 and now during it. Yeah, nothing has changed in that sense. Um, my appointments have all stayed the same. Have you noticed any differences in your interactions with your doctors? Like, have they treated like your, or have like your appointments been different because of it? Um, my appointments haven't necessarily been different because of it, but definitely just the doctor's offices in general have felt different. Um, they did change, I guess, they did change the time um, of one of my appointments recently just so I wouldn't have to um, wait for a long period of time. So they were trying to strategically uh, schedule the appointments so there, there wouldn't be anyone in the waiting room. Um, and when I do go, or when I have been the past few appointments, there has been like zero people in the waiting room. Um, the doctors are all wearing all the PPE masks and everything else like that. Um, and it's just, you can just, it just feels different in that sense, I guess. Um, when I went to my ultrasound, um, they were all, everyone was wearing masks and the PPE. Um, and they were very apologetic about some of the things that had to change, but everyone's been really nice and understanding and just trying to keep uh, me and baby safe. So that's been good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with me and sharing your experiences with me. It's been really helpful. Yeah. Of course. Thank you for talking to me. My next interviewee is Chris Malloy, a nurse at Akron Children's Hospital, and he uses he, him pronouns. Thanks for being here, Chris. You're welcome. It's good being here. So let's just jump in. How has your hospital been affected by COVID-19? Well, when it first started, um, everybody was kind of freaking out a little bit. Um, but once when they started to develop a plan, which was um, they actually made a COVID unit for the hospital, that floor is actually closed down now. Um, they made every single room a um, a negative air pressure room, so that way, like any of our patients can be any COVID patients can be in any of the room, any of the rooms, um, and actually, everything has gotten a lot slower, a lot less patients, a lot less people coming, or they stopped all elective procedures, so everything has slowed down so far. Um, we haven't had any COVID patients yet, but we have had um, employees who tested positive for COVID. But overall, um, the hospital is trying to not furloughed people um, and just maintain every single employee, which they have so far, which is awesome. Yeah, that's great to hear. So Black and Native American women are five four to five times more likely to experience maternal mortality. Do you think those numbers will increase due to COVID-19 or do you think, you know, COVID-19 will have any impact on that? Um, that one's a, a tricky one. Um, I don't think that there is a lot of evidence out there to, to support if it will or, or if it will not. But in my opinion, um, I don't, think that it they will experience more due to this there is evidence out there that says um that women who did have gave births um were not affected and um 
their kids weren't affected either. However, that was people in Italy. I'm not sure if they were black or native women. So I don't personally think that the numbers will increase. How do you think pregnancy-related care and birthing practices have been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic? Um, I know that they are not allowing like more than one person to come into the birthing room. So um, if the woman is giving birth, then uh, like the husband or wife, whomever, the person is with, um, only they are only allowed in there. But I, I don't know exactly, but I, I would imagine that they're taking extreme precautions to keep every single kid who was born under, like, they're going to give them extra care just so that, you know, they don't get co potentially get COVID. Mm -hmm. So I would just imagine that they are taking extra precautions yeah. to stay sterile and... Do you think there would be more stress in the birthing room um, because of all the precautions they have to take and, like, not being allowed to have more than one person in the room? Do you think there would be more stress or more, like, I guess, um, yeah, I guess just more stress. Yeah. I don't know how to phrase it. I think it would be more stress due to or for the parents specifically, but for the healthcare workers, it's probably – I would imagine that they are allowed to have um, the same amount of healthcare workers in the room. Um, so I don't think it's going to be more, it's not going to be more stressful for the healthcare workers, but it just might be for the parents. Um, and I did hear that some, like some hospitals weren't allowing any other, like there was only like the birthing parent mm -hmm. allowed in there. So if like their significant other is not allowed in the room, then that would be very stressful for them. And, that can lead to stress for, like, the baby as well. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm thinking about, like, when people are giving birth and potentially, like, need someone to advocate on their behalf or, like, you know, that's a very stressful time. I can't imagine, like, trying to express things that you might need or, like, you know, advocating for yourself. Do you think that plays a role in it as well? Like, maybe not having a support person to be able to advocate for them um, or – only being allowed to have like one person to advocate for them as opposed to like maybe multiple how do you think that impacts anything yeah for sure it just it will leave just more stress on the person who's giving birth and if for some reason they can't express how they're feeling then it would be very it would be nice for somebody else to be there um to express that if they know them pretty well and then that would lead to, i guess like the doctors the doctors don't know what's going on like why is she or he like freaking out, um, then it would be nice for somebody else to be there to explain potentially what's going on with their significant other. Yeah. And in your hospital, are the kids, because you're at a children's hospital, are the kids' parents allowed to come in and like still visit them and stuff, or are they kind of being isolated? Only two visitors are allowed to come in, and those are the same two visitors every single time. Nobody else. Nobody else. And yeah, we're not allowing kid like any kids to come in. It's only uh, people who are 18 and older. Interesting. Well, thank you very much for your input. It's been very helpful. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So as Chris said, we don't know what's going to happen with maternal mortality rates. We don't know if they're going to rise, um, but it's definitely something 
to keep track of. We know that black women and American Indian and Alaska Native women have four to five higher times of the likelihood to experience maternal mortality and they're already facing a precarious situation being pregnant um, before the coronavirus pandemic. But now that we have the coronavirus pandemic, that's changing the conditions within hospitals and the conditions that healthcare workers um, are providing care in. So it's definitely going to change the nature of how they experience healthcare. And maybe it could improve the nature of their healthcare. Maybe it could decrease the nature of their healthcare. Definitely something that we should be thinking about um, and probably something that's going to be studied soon. So there's definitely an intersection to take a look at here between health and rights, how different populations are receiving healthcare, how they're accessing healthcare due to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, who has access to health te to telehealth, who has access to advocate for themselves in situations like going to an ultrasound and, you know, giving birth when you're under high stress like that, who can advocate for you and how are you going to be impacted by only being able to have a certain uh, one support system person there to be able to advocate for you or maybe not even having anyone there to advocate for you at all and having to advocate for yourself while you're giving birth. And if we see these discrimination rates where black women and American Indian women are already being discriminated against in terms of doctors believing their pain levels, um, that's very concerning in terms of them having to advocate for themselves in that scenario then um, when giving birth. So something that we should all be thinking about. That just about sums up this episode. Thanks so much for listening in and stay tuned for more episodes coming up. As usual, we'd like to thank our interviewees, Allie Henry and Chris Malloy, our host, Abby Henry, and make sure to follow Her Campus on Instagram and Twitter at HerCampusAU to keep up to date with miseducation. And check out AU Her Campus articles on the Her Campus page under the American University tab.